What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Our Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 60. We're going to be talking about football, trades, injuries, how they're going to impact the playoffs. NBA season kicked off. A little bit of baseball. And the first college football playoff rankings. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of different things to talk about. And we got Brett back this week. So welcome back, Brett. Hello, good to be back. All righty. So shall we get into the opener? Or do you guys want to do favorite number 60 first? We'll start off with the number. All righty. Number 60, a number, a round number, uh, an even number that doesn't have a lot of history attached to it. Uh, so I went with Otto Graham. I just remember yeah. him being a cool quarterback to use in like Madden 25. And so Otto Graham. Yeah. I also went with a Madden guy, Chuck Ben Derrick, uh, linebacker for the Eagles for looks like over 10 years. A hall of famer, of course, served in world war two, also played center for them. Which I didn't know. Oh. Great, great guy. Tough guy. Yeah, there you go. I'm going Dallas Keuchel, former Cy Young winner with the Astros, currently on the White Sox. Not much else to say about Dallas Keuchel. Good pitcher in his prime, little past it now. Yeah, pretty shitty pitcher nowadays. Uh, let's get into the actual opener, though. And my opener uh, is going to be the Chargers losing to the Patriots on Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but there's some Charger fans, uh, probably like 95% of their fans, though, because they only have about 10 fans. Uh, complaining, saying that the Raiders were only in first place because they had a bye week and the Chargers are going to take back first place right away. Uh, we lost to the fucking Patriots at home, uh, so you don't have that anymore. Adrian Phillips uh, picked off Justin Herbert twice. Uh, it was just, it was a successful bye week until it got to Tuesday morning uh, for the Raiders. We'll yeah. talk more about that in a bit. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Uh, but it was a great week for the Jets, man. Mike White makes his first career start and he plays great. 400 yards, three touchdowns, two picks were deflected, but as Brett told me, they're still picks. So I'm going to count them. <laughs> uh, 34 to 31 win over the Bengals, man. Uh, just great to see Mikey White out there slinging it. And I guess now I'll turn it over to the Jet report to this was coach LaFleur's first game up in the booth. He called a great game. I feel like maybe he sees the game better from up there. Um, and an interesting transition too. Um, Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach for the offseason, John Beck, was hired by Robert Sala this morning um, for him to be on the sideline and for LaFleur to stay up in the booth so Wilson could have someone to talk to. So great. And uh, just a, a side note here, Michael Carter, the rookie running back, over 170 total yards this week. Uh, he's turning into a, a star, which is great to see. Also, the other Michael Carter on defense playing great, too. I like the, the Jets incorporation of Ty Johnson and Michael mm-hmm. Carter. It kept them both fresh. Uh, Ty Johnson was more used in the passing game than the running game. Uh, Michael Carter kind of served as both very, very well. Uh, but some easy completions for maybe not the best deep ball thrower in Mikey White because I don't remember him going deep too many times uh and then i mean carter's good ty johnson's fast uh he had a good touchdown so good one for the jets yeah no Corey davis or zach wilson got the dub 
Like Skyler for my opener this week, I'm going with my team's quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Coming off of the bye week, Jimmy looked good um, for the first time in a long time, actually. Over 300 yards passing, 171 of those were to Debo. Samuel, as he continues to be one of the top receivers in the NFL this year. But Jimmy, two rushing touchdowns, no turnovers, which was probably the biggest thing for him. He's had trouble both fumbling and throwing some picks in the weeks past. Uh, like Skylar, I'm going to just get right into the Niner report real quick. Elijah Mitchell, 18 carries for 137 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. I believe the stat was 135 of those yards were after contact, which is amazing. Uh, also added a touchdown. Defense played, okay, Justin Fields kind of ran all over us, to be honest, over 100 yards for the quarterback, including an absolutely miraculous play for 20-yard rushing touchdown, one of the best plays I've seen. But Josh Norman finished the game with a pick. Have a Niners defense gets a turnover. That's positive. So we'll go into Arizona next week. Hopefully no Kyler Murray. That would make things a lot easier. But that's going to be a big game versus the Cardinals. I need Kyler to play, man. I need oh, I, yeah. Jets Thursday night Colts. Forgot to say yeah, that. We're going to get smacked. Don't worry. Mike White on primetime. Yeah. What could be better? All right. It's time for the Mac and Sports Player of the Week and some names on this list that you kind of might have not expected uh, coming into this week. But the four guys that we had were Adrian Phillips, uh, who had two interceptions on a pick six, and the pick six kind of sealed the game uh, for the Patriots in their win over the Chargers. We had A.J. Brown, who had a big day against the, the Colts in Julio Jones's absence. He had 10 catches for 155 yards and two touchdowns. We had Jimmy Garoppolo, who uh, 17 for 28 on the day against the Bears, 322 yards and two rushing touchdowns, but no passing touchdowns. And then there was Mikey White, uh, 37 for 45. I didn't realize he had that good of a completion percentage until after the game. Uh, 405 yards, three touchdowns and two picks that came on, I think, back to back possessions in the first quarter, early second quarter, whatever it may be. And here's how the voting went. We had nine vo- or 19 votes. Uh, none of them went to Adrian Phillips. So sorry, Adrian, you're kind of just that throwing fourth guy. Fine uh, 10.5% of the votes went to AJ Brown. He finished in third place. Jimmy Garoppolo got 36.8% of the votes. And then Mike White with 52.6% of the votes winning his first ever Mathlet Sports Player of the Week and probably his last, unfortunately, uh, but hey, just, uh, some teams may be in the market for a quarterback next year, huh? Yeah, you guys. Maybe a backup quarterback. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, I mean, who would have thought going into this week that we would have had first Jimmy Garoppolo on, on this list and then also Mikey White? I mean, who would have thought? It's a great week for football. Yeah. Uh, we did get some very tragic news uh, about Henry Ruggs. Early this morning, uh, we're, I'll just re- read the police report and I'll read what the Raiders had to say. And then from there, uh, we'll make our points and see what we got to say. On November 2nd at approximately 3.39 a.m., the LVMPD, Las Vegas PD, uh, responded to a traffic collision near the intersection of South Rainbow Boulevard and South Spring Valley Parkway involving a Chevrolet Corvette and a Toyota RAV4. Responding officers located the Toyota on fire. Fire department personnel responded and located a deceased victim inside the Toyota. The preliminary investigation indicates that the front of the Chevrolet collided with the rear of the Toyota. 
The driver of the Chevrolet, identified as 22-year-old Henry Ruggs III, remained on the scene and showed signs of impairment. He was transported to the to UMC Hospital to be treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Ruggs will be charged with DUI resulting in death. This is an ongoing investigation. So this news struck, uh, I'd say, I found out about it about 9 in the morning. I saw it on some, like, not underground, but, like, some just some Raider Twitter accounts and nothing it was just kind of just like the deandre swift situation where you see some news and you just you just immediately begin to think it's fake because there's no way something like this would happen right uh tmz gets a hold of it they obviously blow it up uh everybody else gets a hold of it they obviously blow it up uh raiders issued a statement uh saying raiders are aware of an accident involving henry ruggs that occurred this Morning in Las Vegas, we are devastated by the loss of life and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family. We are in the process of gathering information and will have no further comment at this time. Uh, it was later said that, I, I mean, identify, identify, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? I can't speak. The identity of the victim uh, was not identified, obviously, but it was a 23-year-old female. Uh, this is my takeaway. It's kind of been able to process the situation here in a little bit it kind of like it still doesn't feel real it's like a i wouldn't say it's like a kobe death but it's like something that just like you don't you don't think is is real until like you, you want it to be fake it. yeah exactly and so i mean at the end of the day i'm honestly just like disappointed and angry i mean he's he's a dude who honestly could have a really fucking good career like the like no joke like you see sometimes in, in watching his game film this year that he had the like the legitimate tools to be a top one of the top wide receivers in the league with his his ability to obviously run uh and his jump ball skills i mean he was really really good at that uh but that's besides the point now at this point he obviously fucked up big time he's a 22 year old guy so he's young but i mean these mistakes are something that like won't be taken lightly and no matter how old you are there's never going to be like a justified reason to do what he was doing, mm-hmm. especially at 3:40 a.m. Just call a fucking Uber, a Lyft, or whatever it is. But now at this point, uh, I look at his daughter. I mean, his daughter's like one, two years old, and you're a father, and so you kind of just fucked over your whole daughter's life at this point. I mean, you have two options here: where you have this happen. Or you have a successful NFL career, you make a shit ton of money, you make literally like $100 million over your whole career. You set up her life, you set up her child's life, you set up her child's Generations. Grand, yeah, you set up your family for generations and everything. And whether if you had a son, you had to play football, whatever it may be. But now you're going to go to jail. You're going to have this. There's no, when you look up Henry Ruggs for the rest of your, for our lives, we're not going to see, oh, this speedster from Alabama that was really good at football and this star-studded athlete. You're just going to see this. And so that's what it comes down to. You're not – he fucked up big time. That's that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, though, I, I think we got to talk about Dante Stallworth, a uh, former receiver, had a very similar thing happen, and he came back after a year. Um, but in this generation – you don't get a second chance. I think what he did, it was very selfish. Like you said, um, even if he wasn't making this much money, he could still afford an Uber. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I don't have much to say. I just want to say prayers out to the families of the victims. I think first and foremost, I think that's the most important thing to be with them. But I, I think Kyle pretty much hit the nail on the head. Otherwise, just dumb decision by a guy who, you know, everything was in front of him and he chose to throw that away. And that's, you know, inexcusable. Yeah. So now right. let's not talk about that for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the show because I don't like talking about that stuff. Uh, but it was honestly needed to be said. Now on to the meat and potatoes of our show, where's your head at segment. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the Titans. Uh, Derek Henry had something torn in his foot. I don't know. All the weird things in your foot have weird mm-hmm. names. Uh, but he got surgery this morning. That outlook is like eight weeks at least at this point. And then from there, they'll see what they're going to do. So our question is, where are the Titans going to be 10 weeks from now? 10 weeks from now is week 18, setting up a matchup between the Titans and the Texans uh, for the last game in the regular season. Where are the Titans going to be then, Skyler? All right. In 10 weeks from now, the Titans will be tied at 9-8 and eight with the Colts. They swept the Colts, so they're going to get the four seed, make the playoffs. Um, I think the passing offense will be fine. Um, I know Derrick Henry you know, takes up a lot of yards and energy and time off the clock, but McNichols, I'm not saying he's any better, but it's going to fit that style of offense. They're going to try to run and um, also watch out for Indy. That's what I would say, you know, three and five right now, but uh, they're figuring out how to run the ball. Finally getting that offensive line back. Michael Pittman's becoming a star. So this is going to be a close little uh, race here, but if they're tied, uh, Tennessee gets the tiebreaker the division yeah much like Skyler I had both teams going into the final week of the season tied at nine and seven I don't know if that was the record Skyler had I can't remember but I think um, Tennessee did enough early in the season specifically with those two wins against the Colts obviously to hold the tiebreaker and set themselves up to still be in a playoff spot despite missing their best player they're going to have some winnable games, especially in that division going forward. Mm. So I still expect this to be a team that wins that division. It's going to be close, but I think they'll hold off the Colts and find their way into that four seed in the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, I think the Titans are definitely a playoff team, even with uh, this big injury happening. But I don't think that's their playoff spot is going to be in due part to how they're playing. I think it's due to their gap that they've built already in the division yeah. and the talent in the rest of the division as well, because I don't think the Colts are that good. I mean, they beat them twice already. Uh, I They still have another game against the Jags, and I think they have two more games against the Texans too, so that's mm-hmm. that's three wins right there, and nine wins? That alone can, can win you that division at this yeah. point. Plus, I mean, Say if they just win one more game out of the rest of their schedule. I mean, I'll take a look at it right now, but I'm pretty sure they have a couple winnable games on the stretch. They face the Dolphins week 17. The Dolphins, yeah, the Dolphins. That's a very winnable game. And 10 wins is going to win this division, like, easy. Like, I think Colts maybe win seven this year. I think that's a very reasonable thing for them. But their offense is going to suck. They have Todd Downing as their offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. and I've seen Todd Downing front and center when he was Raiders offensive coordinator in 2017. He is very, very, very run heavy. He That's what he tried to do. It didn't work with the Raiders because we had a very vertical flow offense with Michael Crabtree, Mari Cooper, 
Uh, Marshawn Lynch was there at the time, and Carr was Cook. coming off of his, his Cook, yeah, uh, was com- and Carr was coming off of his best season as a Raider uh, at that point in the 2016 season before he broke his leg, and he just never took shots downfield, and that's that's what I noticed with, with Todd Downing that he just he's very conservative with it, and when you don't have a Derrick Henry to like kind of make that okay, and instead you're relying on however old Adrian Peterson is and Jeremy McNichols, who's a receiving back. I don't think that's going to be possible for them to actually be a threat in the playoffs. If Henry, for some reason has a setback and isn't able to come back in in the playoffs, unless Julio returns to 2015 Julio form. So which is tough, but possible. It's not going to (laughs) happen. It is possible, but very unlikely with how he's been playing so far this year. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to the Saints, who also uh, had a devastating injury over the weekend when Jameis Winston tore his ACL and MCL, but was still dancing in the locker room after Trevor Simeon led the Saints to their biggest one of the season against the Buccaneers. And this is a weird spot because the Saints, honestly, they didn't play that bad when, when Simeon went in. And I know part of that was due to their defense, but I mean, that's how the rest of the season is going to go. That's how the season has gone so far for the Saints. They've played a lot of defensive ball. Their offense has been average. So looking at it now with James out for the season, are the Saints a wild card team? First off, I just want to say I feel horrible for Jameis Winston, man. He's finally in a spot where he can thrive being himself. Um, And he's playing against the team that gave up on him. And he's got a great start and he he gets carted away. It sucks. And also Trevor Simeon, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I thought his career was over when Miles Garrett snapped his leg a couple years ago on Thursday night against the Jets. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it's possible, you know, they're going to trust the defense and all the amazing athletes they put around the offense. And this is how the Steelers have been playing football for the past five years. So, yeah, it's possible. I've seen it happen before. I think the Saints not only can, but will be a wildcard team. I think people, I don't think Simeon will be the answer. I think Taysom Hill will be the answer once he's, you know, fully healthy, ready to go. And that Taysom Hill, he might not be your, you know, typical quarterback, but he does bring an element that is hard to cover in his, you know, power running game. And they've relied on that defense, anyways. Jameis has been good enough to you know support that defense but the defense has been what's winning them games the saints are going to open up that running game once Taysom hill's backs i simeon might start a week because i know Taysom hill's still recovering from a concussion that's held him out since i believe week five it's been yeah. it's been a while but i think that defense run game the return of michael thomas if michael thomas can return to form all big additions despite the loss of Jameis winston i think this team can hold on for a wild card spot when I look at their team, besides Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, there's a lot of deep threat on this team. When you look at like Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway, and those guys at Deontay Harris, and right. I don't trust anybody besides Jameis to make those throws. And so I think the production for those guys goes way down. Uh, I think once they do get Michael Thomas back, don't and Taysom Hill back, this offense will kind of go back to the way that it was uh, prior to the Jameis injury where they're kind of just league average. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have perhaps the best defense in the league. When you look at it via the stats, 
Uh, personally, I don't think they are the best defense in the league, but they have the stats to prove that they are. Uh, and so when it comes down to it, I think they're 11 to nine win team uh, with the weak bottom in the NFC that makes it available. So a nine win team can be a wild card spot. And I think mm-hmm. they'll get that. One of the biggest moves that we saw in the last few days, or definitely the biggest move I'd say in the last two days uh, was Von Miller, uh, eight time pro bowler for the Broncos being traded for a second and third rounder to the Rams Rams completely. Just, I think they have a fifth and a seventh rounder in this draft. So they don't really mm-hmm. have any input for the next uh, year. As far as draft picks go, it's kind of like Madden when you're going all in. Uh, but Von Miller is now a Ram. He's on the same line as Aaron Donald. Uh, he's on the same defense as Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and some of the other guys as well. Is this move for the Rams enough to say for, for us to say that the Rams are the Super Bowl favorite? Well, if they don't win, they're going to be in some serious trouble. Um, I think that is the whole point of this. You know, Von Miller, I know they said they want to resign him, but that's not the reason they traded for him. You know, this is the year for them. We don't know if Cooper Cup is going to have another year like this. Um, I guess, I mean, Stafford is, is not in that same boat exactly. But how many more years does he have after getting beaten down in Detroit? And, uh, If you're looking for an answer, I'm going to say probably not. And they're going to be in trouble. But that's the goal here. There's no other reason for this. (laughs) I mean, from a perspective of a Niner fan, I love this move because the Rams are basically mortgaging their future Mm -hmm. to go all in this year. And I think it puts them on par with the Bucs. But I don't, I don't think it's enough to put them ahead of the Bucks. And, I mean, the reason is the Bucks have Tom Brady. He's been there. I think that counts for a lot come playoff time. They still got the weapons. Bucks still have an amazing defense. They're basically the Rams, but with Brady, in my opinion. Um, so, as an NFL, I love it because Vaughn Miller, if he does come back next year, they're paying him a lot of money. If he doesn't, this move wastes a second and third round pick for a team that already doesn't hold a lot of picks, but the Rams futures the next two years with or without Von Miller next year, if they don't win a Super Bowl within those two years, the future looks bleak. Yeah. We're going to see some, the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair, but as of right now, I do say yes, they, they are the the favorite for me. Uh, Part of that is because they did beat the Bucks earlier this year, and I know it was in L.A., and I know it was in September or early October and not January when Brady tends to shine the most. But they have probably the best roster in the NFL at this point. I mean, Cam Akers being out kind of deteriorates that a little bit, but, I mean, Daryl Henderson is still – He's been amazing. Mm. Yeah, he's he's still been good. so I think this, the defense now that was kind of not playing to its par as what it was the expectations going into the year. I think it goes back to that last year's state of just being one of the best defenses in the league. And their offense, while not unstoppable, is still very, very good with the addition of Matthew Stafford over the offseason and how Cooper Cups just developed, uh, I guess. So I say, yes, I think their offense is top 10. I think their defense is top five. And we, when you have those two things there, I, I don't think there's another team in the NFL that, that fits those qualifications. And that's why I think the Rams are 
the best team in the NFL and Super Bowl favorites. All right. We're going to play a little bit of playoffs or not before we go to halftime. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different teams that we're going to say are making the playoffs or not. Keep in mind, there's seven spots in each playoffs uh, for AFC and NFC, uh, four division winners, three wild card. And the first team that we're going to talk about for playoffs or not is the Bengals. All right, Bengals, I'm going to say no. They're looking like the third best team in the North. That's not going to get it done in the AFC this year. And the pass rush, it's like every other week they show up. You know, we don't know which Bengals defense we're going to get. I have the Bengals sneaking in as the seven seed at 10 and seven. I think they do enough in those division games the next couple of weeks to secure their spot. I say yes for the Bengals. I mean, they have the big win over the Ravens. Yes, you could say they have the big loss against the the Jets, but I mean, those kind of equal out at this point. And if they just went on to lose to the the Ravens and beat the Jets, I think we'd be in a worse situation than where we are now because that Ravens game was a big test for them. Uh, So I do think this Bills team is, or not Bills, Bengals team is good. I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wildcard team because the Ravens are just too damn good. On to the Seahawks. The Seahawks, no. Um, even with if Russell Wilson comes back early and uh, after the bye, I think it's too little too late. Um, no defense whatsoever. Sorry, Seahawks. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson was out a little bit too long for him to really be able to make that push. I do have them finishing 9-8. and eight. Uh, I believe they were tied with a couple other teams that I had making it but they're just on the outside looking in do large part of that defense just not being able to help their offense. So I'm saying, yes, I think they go on a crazy run here uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Russell Wilson, this yes is depending on if Russell Wilson can play when they come back from their bye week, uh, the bye week. Got the pin out today. Yeah. So if he's able to play in week 10 against the Packers, I think that the Seahawks will make the playoffs. I think 10, nine, 10 wins should get it done. And if they go seven and two or six and three and within their last nine games, I think that's very, very reasonable. And uh, a playoff spot should be in stock for uh, the Seahawks. On to the Bears. The Bears, I'm going to say yes. Defense is great. I like the running game, and they're going to win a lot of these ugly games, like specifically this week against Pittsburgh. I have the Bears missing it. I just got the opportunity to watch the Bears, even though the Niners, I don't think, play their best. I thought the Bears actually played pretty solid, and the Niners, who had been struggling, beat them. Fields had perhaps his best game, limiting turnovers and unleashing the legs. I just don't – they were missing Mack. I will give them that, but I don't think – the offense is enough, and I think the defense isn't quite as strong as it's been in years past. I have them missing out uh, going, I believe, 7-10, and 10. so I have them struggling the rest of the year. I say no for the Bears. I think their team is just too in- inconsistent, whatever it be, the offense or the defense. Uh, inconsistency is key when it comes to these things and, and being able to make the playoffs. So they might win some good games. They might lose some bad ones. I'm saying no for the Bears. Next up is the Niners. Niners, I'm going to say no. Um, for similar reasons as Seattle, you know, it's just, it's a little too late for a run here. I obviously there's some injuries and you can't be third or fourth. I know we were saying this before the season, 
that you could be third and fourth and make the playoffs in the West, but not this year. I'm sorry, Brett. It's okay. Uh, I do have the Niners sneaking in as the seven seed, uh, due a large part to previous years of success within the division. We have struggled against the Seahawks, but historically we've always been very good against the Rams. I expect us to take one of those games, whether at home or on the road. And like Skyler alluded to, we have a lot of injuries. Dre Greenlaw, Alistair here, back this week. D Ford coming back. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the dude's name, but we got another interior slash edge rusher. Um, defense is getting healthier. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. should be back soon. The offense looked the best it has in weeks this past week. George Kittle returns this week. I think all those things add up to a few more wins than people expect. So I have the Niners sneaking in as the seven seed, I believe, with a tiebreaker over Seattle. Yeah. I just realized uh, San Francisco with the tiebreaker over Chicago. That could change yeah. things for me. So continue. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to say no for the Niners. I think they just barely miss out, whether it be from a tiebreaker with the Seahawks or the Saints, even though that tiebreaker would be weird because you guys didn't play head-to-head. Uh, I think they just barely miss out. And I know Brett said that they are statistically good against the Rams in the past, but the, we have no statistical record on how they are against the Rams when they have Matthew Stafford and Von Miller. That's true. Uh, so there is that part of it as well. Uh, maybe they take one. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be tough. They, for me to they, they will have to take one if they want a chance. That's that's yeah, kind of what I'm banking on. And it's going to be tough for me to, to pick them in the head-to-head matchup when I – Shit. I mean, it's, it is a divisional game, so anything can happen. But when you look at the two teams and stack them up together, the Rams just, I mean, they defeat just about any team when, when you look at them head to head. Uh, and so it's going to be a tough spot for them. Next up, the Patriots coming off a big win against the Chargers. I'm going to say yes. I had a high hopes going into the season for the Patriots. Not that I wanted it to happen, but I had them winning 11 games. They're still on pace for that. Mac Jones has been great. Defense has been great. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs again. Patriots are another team I have just missing out. I have a lot of nine and eight teams. I did the playoff predictor thing earlier. Patriots lose a tiebreaker. Um, I forget which team. I believe it's the Bengals or whatever. whatever. However I had it, the Patriots are just on the outside looking in. The offense, they don't have – I mean, Damian Harris has kind of emerged as the lead back in the past couple of weeks. I just don't know – if Mac Jones is going to be able to do enough through the air against some of these better opponents down the stretch to help out the, I wouldn't even say top defense, but solid defense of the Patriots to propel them to win enough games to find their way in the playoffs. I think the Pats just miss out. I think they're going to have a couple good wins in the season, but they're also going to have a couple really bad losses. I think one of those losses was week one to the Dolphins and seeing how they have been ever since that game. Uh, so I have the patch just missing out. Maybe rookie QB uh, kind of faults them for that because just an experience. They don't have Tom Brady at the helm uh, as they did before. So they just, just miss out for me. All right. So the next team that we're going to be looking at is the Colts playoffs. Yes or no for the Colts. Colts. I'm going to say yes. I think we have a very interesting AFC race here. I like the running game, even though that may be all they know how to do. Uh, but Michael Pittman, too, like I said earlier, turned into a star. Um, offensive line's coming back, and it's a really weak division. They're going to steal some games. 
Yeah, the biggest reason I have the Colts come in and succeed is that division. They've lost the two to the Titans, which are big as far as the divisional race. But the other four games, not sure how many they've played so far. Pretty much free wins between the Jaguars and the Texans. I've been finishing at 10 and 7 right above the Bengals to get that succeed. I'm saying no for the Colts. Uh, I was a big fan of this Carson Wentz trade once it first happened. I'm not the biggest fan of it now. I think part of that has to do with him being hurt in the beginning of the season and not really being able to fully recover from any of those injuries. Uh, I think they are an 8-9 win team at most, and that 7 seed is probably going to be a 9-10 win floor at, at least. So i say no for the Colts. Next up is the Chargers. You know, I think the floor is a little lower for the AFC, and I don't think the Chargers hit that. Uh, no for the Chargers. I think – I know the Raiders aren't on here, but this is more on the – these next two picks is more about the Raiders. Um, all they have to do is play 500 ball and beat the Chiefs once. And I think that I'm going to go with the safe pick here, take the Raiders. I have uh, two teams from this division making. I know Kyle's probably not going to like this. I'm, I'm a big believer in the Chargers, so I actually have them winning this division with the Raiders coming in at the five seed uh, and the Chiefs not making it. Um, Herbert, he had a bad week this week against the Patriots. Belichick seems to do that to young quarterbacks, no matter how good they are sometimes. They really yeah. need to sure up the interior defense. Uh, not have not been very good against the run. They need to get Asante Samuel Jr. back healthy. But I think this team's very talented. I see them winning a lot of games in the second half of the season and taking this division ahead of the Raiders and Chiefs. I'm saying no for the Chargers. I think these last two weeks really have to have a big deal in my decision here. Uh, the no contest against the Ra- or the Ravens is a big one. And then obviously that close loss to the Patriots in a game that you kind of needed to win at that point. Uh, they play against the Eagles this week. And I think that we're kind of going to be in for a shock for this one. I think the Eagles actually match up really, really well with the Chargers. Uh, run game is going to be good for the Eagles, even though they don't run the ball that much because the Chargers have zero run defense. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to play well against the Chargers secondary. Uh, they have some Games on the stretch that are winnable, but also losable, especially with a young team. Uh, Their play calling has not been that good the last few weeks, and I think that's going to really show uh, down the stretch. So the Chargers kind of collapsing down the stretch for an eight or nine win season. Next up is the Chiefs. No. Lastly, I guess, is the Chiefs. No. The Chiefs look horrible. Patrick Mahomes is playing hero ball once again. Um, They got the win against the Giants. Ugly. Uh, he threw another fourth quarter pick and I just don't trust them this year. You know, it's uh, again with the Raiders, all they have to do is beat them once. And this is pretty much it for Kansas city. You know, uh, I don't like it. Obviously I was a big believer in believer in the Chargers, And as Scott said, all the Raiders really need to do is play 500 ball to make the playoffs. And I think they do that. And I think they take at least one from the chiefs. The chiefs have not looked good against bad teams. And they haven't played a lot of great teams um, to this point that I can remember. They did have some early in the season, but I know they have Green Bay on the schedule. They'll have the Chiefs. They'll have the Raiders, both very good teams, beyond capable of beating this team. Mahomes can't do everything, and he's shown that. He's turned the ball over at a higher rate than he has his entire career. 
defense played better yesterday versus a Giants offense with no Saquon and pretty much only Kadarius Tony as a weapon. Darius Slayton was a no factor. Travis Kelsey disappeared. Tyreek Hill was limited in the second half. This Chiefs team has a lot to figure out before I'm ready to put them in that playoff spot that I think everyone had them slated for at the beginning of the year. I am going to go with yes for the Chiefs. I think it's, I mean, I know they have like legitimately the hardest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way. Uh, and they have games. I mean, the next few weeks are just brutal. The Packers, the Raiders, uh, the Cowboys, uh, they all are all very tough games. But man, it's the, it's the Chiefs. It's so hard to, for me to be like, yeah. I know, Skyler, you're looking at your face with the Max Freed shit. Yeah. You just got stepped on. <laughs> uh, yeah. His ankle, I've been, I think, well, I, looks fine. I think he's fine. I but, didn't uh, even like him was on yet. <laughs> back to it. Uh, I think the Chiefs do make the playoffs. I do think they find a way to sneak in uh, with nine or ten wins based off a tiebreaker. I think they beat the Chargers late in the year, and I think that's going to set them up good down the stretch where they can beat the Steelers, they can beat the Bengals, and they can beat the Broncos, even if they do – lose the next two or three games. It's hard. Everyone's uh, so jumbled up, you know, it's hard to like find reasons why things. Are yeah. Mm-hmm. And the criteria for, for picking uh, these teams that I, that I chose to, for us to talk about, it was like a three or f- four lost teams with a couple mm-hmm. of like underachieving five lost teams right now. Uh, the team that probably should have added to it were the Steelers or the Browns. Uh or, I have I both mean, those I teams guess, missing it either way. So. Yeah, I think both those teams have a tough time making it. Uh, so, yeah, that's why there isn't some two-loss team that's not on the best like spot right now like the Titans. Oh I mean, we did talk about the Titans already, so that's kind of why we didn't put them in there. But that's going to take us to halftime. All right. Let's go to halftime. The first thing that we do in halftime is just talk about the other games real quick. So on Thursday night, we got the Cardinals first loss of the year, 24, 21 against the weaponless Packers. Terrible game for the Cardinals. Uh, we knew they'd lose at some point, but we didn't think it was going to be here. Next up Panthers defeat the Falcons, 1913. Nobody cares about that game. Uh, Stephon Gilmore did get his first pick though with the Panthers in his first game. Uh, Bills beat the Dolphins 26 to 11, which was really a pretty bad game for the Bills. They were three, three at halftime in this game. And then they eventually pulled away. Uh, but a game that close, Probably shouldn't have been that close uh, if you're the Bills. Niners beat the Bears 33 to 22. Already talked about that. Steelers beat the Browns uh, in a very rough game for the Browns. Uh, the Browns are pretty much all healthy except for Cream Hunt. Steelers were down a couple of their guys as well as the refs kind of gearing their way towards the Browns uh, quite a bit in this one. Steelers win though, 15 to 10. Eagles destroyed the Lions 44 to 6, and I can guarantee the Lions will not lose next week because they have a bye. Uh, Titans and the Colts. Titans win in their last game with Derrick Henry, likely this season, 34 to 31. It's a big win for the Titans when you look at it now. Uh, Jets already talked about this one. They beat the Bengals 34 to 31. Big win for Mikey White. Uh, Rams. This game wasn't as close as the score was 38 to 22. Win over the Texans, Texans scored 22 unanswered to end the game. So it was 38, nothing at one point until the Rams put on all their backups. We were talking about this game. The Patriots beat the chargers 27 to 24 due to Adrian Phillips having two interceptions in that game. Uh, probably the least watched game of the week was the Seahawks and the Jags Seahawks destroyed them 31 to seven. 
James Robinson did get hurt in that game, but he is questionable for next week. Skyler might talk about that in this next segment. I don't know. Uh, and then Broncos, Washington football team, pretty ugly game, but the Broncos get to win 17 to 10. Saints and the Buccaneers already kind of talked about this one, but the Saints win 36 to 27. Cooper Rush uh, beat the Vikings uh, with Dak being ruled out a couple hours before the game with his calf contusion or whatever it is. Uh, they win 20 to 16, first career win for Cooper Rush as he throws for 325 yards. And then on Monday night, we had a close one that probably should have been close. So it's just the Chiefs not being that good so far this season. And they win 20 to 17 against the Giants. All right. Now, uh, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley stepping away. I assume this was a retirement, but I, I guess it's not now or never it's, was. It's not I don't think it ever was. It never was he, a retirement. He's, uh, he's taken some time away to work on mental health, I believe is what the Post said. Isn't that what Andrew Luck said? <laughs> uh, Andrew Luck officially like retired. Ridley, okay. everything pointed to him coming back at some point. Whether or not it be this season is unclear, but I would bet a lot of money on Calvin Ridley playing football again. Yeah, same. All right. Talk about some trades? Sure. Yeah. All right. One that I probably should have said earlier. Um, the Jets are trading for the Chiefs guard. I, how do you even say this guy's name? Dr. Tardif, dude. Dr. Tardif. Right. The doctor. I just call him the doctor. Yeah. yeah uh, traded for a special teams player, um, and we needed a guard. So good for that. Uh, Brett started talking about Charles Amenahu, edge rusher yeah. for the Texans, going to the Niners for a fifth-round pick. Um, or sorry, for a sixth. And he's had a pretty good season, right? Seven sacks? Uh, not seven sacks this year. Seven sacks since he was drafted. But I know he... He, I think he has like more pressures than one of the Bosa brothers. I'm not sure which one. But he's had a solid year, so it's good depth for us at a position where it's been lacking with D4 not, you know, returning to form. Yeah, Melvin Ingram from the Steelers going to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick. That could be a big one. Uh, we talked he's about Bond there. He's washed. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Joe Flacco to the Jets. <laughs> Nothing big other than that. I think. Did we talk about Zach Ertz to uh, Arizona? Uh, Zachary's Arizona. No, but I feel like we probably should have last week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It happened. Everybody kind of already knows about that at this point. All right. And that's it for, for the NFL news for halftime, but we got to get into college football at the rankings right here. You want me to go over them? Yeah, go Oof. ahead. All right. CFP rankings came out today. Uh, it was at like four Pacific mm. standard time today. Uh, so let's go over them. 25, Pittsburgh, 24, San Diego State, 23, Fresno State, 22, Iowa, 21, Wisconsin, 20, Minnesota, 19, NC State, 18, Kentucky, 17, Mississippi State, 16, Ole Miss, 15, BYU, 14, Texas A&M, 13, Auburn, 12, Baylor, 11, Oklahoma State, 10, Notre Dame, 9, Wake Forest, 8, Oklahoma, despite being undefeated, uh, Michigan, number 7, Cincinnati at number 6. I'm not too happy about that one. Uh, Ohio State at 5, Oregon at number 4, Michigan State to number 3 after the big win against Michigan. 
Uh, and then Alabama at two somehow and Georgia at number one. Uh, the consensus number one obviously is going to be there. The rest of the rankings were interesting, uh, but the college playoff, uh, the people on the ESPN show were making good cases for all of it, except for Cincinnati being at six instead of number five, at least. Mm. You know, I kind of understand the reasoning for everything here, except for Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, this top four, if if you put in Oklahoma instead of Oregon, I think most people would be happy. I know you want to see Cincinnati. Uh, that's fair. Um, but, you know, Alabama plays Georgia. I think Alabama being at two makes it um, so when they beat Georgia, Georgia stays in the top four. I think they stay in the top four regardless, but I think Georgia beats Bama, so I don't know if oh, it's going to matter. Okay. okay, I think Georgia stays in either way. I think with an Alabama loss, they fall out. Yeah. All right. And, you know, and Michigan State being at three and Ohio State being out, um, they got a big game coming up in two weeks, I think. I think the winner of that will take the spot. Uh, And then Oklahoma is the big one for me. This one is confusing. My one thing here is they have Oklahoma State at Baylor ranked 11th and 12th. Um, Maybe (laughs) when Oklahoma beats those guys. They'll move up eventually, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I would say the inconsistency w- was a big thing uh, for Oklahoma. I think I, they played really close to Kansas a couple weeks ago until they pulled away late. Uh, and they sandwiched that uh, between two blowouts against Texas Tech and TCU. So I think the inconsistency for Oklahoma is a big thing, but I one thing that we've kind of noticed is they they allow a blemish, uh, especially when you look at Oregon's schedule, you look at Ohio State's schedule, uh, you look at Bama's schedule. They've allowed one bad game, uh, but to punish Oklahoma for their one bad game in the game that they, they didn't even won, lose. Yeah, they didn't even lose. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to me. I think five would have been reasonable. I. I think Oregon and Ohio State probably should have been moved down. I'm fine with Alabama being in the playoff. I'm completely fine with Michigan State being there as well. Uh, mm. But I think one of those two teams that I mentioned should have been lower and Oklahoma a bit higher. I mean, as an Oregon fan, I'm obviously very happy Oregon's up for because at this point they kind of control their own destiny. If they went out and won a Pac-12 championship, there's no yeah. way you can really move mm. them out. At the same time, I don't really think they should be there. They had the loss to Stanford, which now looks like a bad loss. I believe Stanford's kind of struggled uh, since then. And, I mean, they had the one really big win over Ohio State, and that was without Thibodeau, without Justin Flo. But all their other wins haven't been that convincing, if we're being honest. Like, USC, UCLA both played them close. There hasn't been another true statement win for Oregon. So Oregon would probably be the team I'd bump down. Uh, I'd bump... Alabama down a few spots as well. And I'd put, I think I'd have Oklahoma in my top four personally. I mean, if you come in AP poll, you know, top four and you haven't lost, I think you deserve it, especially with a few good wins that they've had. So Oregon's probably the team I moved down. I think Cincinnati at five or six is about right. Obviously Georgia should be one. I put Alabama on four and then Ohio state at, I think I'd personally have Oregon at seven. If, if it were me and have, Ohio State, um, Cincinnati 5-6, 
and mm. then Georgia, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I believe that was my yeah. top four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Bama at two, I, I'd be more upset. I mean, I was pretty upset at the moment, but when you look at it, like Bama, one loss, regardless of who it's to, is going to fuck up their season. They're not going to be in the playoffs if they lose to Georgia close. If they obviously, if they lose to one of their other opponents, they're definitely not going to be in the college football playoffs. And if they are after losing to another team, we got a problem. Uh, yeah, we got some fucking weird ass problem going on. But yeah, Bama at two doesn't upset me as much now looking at it because regardless, if they beat Georgia anyway, they're going to be in. I have one more note, and it's not good for Cincinnati. Um, SMU and Houston not ranked just played a great game last week. Houston won. They're both seven and one. Neither are ranked. So mm-hmm. those are going to be two big games. Cincinnati has SMU on the schedule in two weeks. And then if they win that, they got Houston in the championship game. Mm-hmm. So I guess that game's not going to mean a whole lot if the teams aren't ranked, you know? Yeah. One of the things that the, the, people on the ESPN broadcast were talking about was Notre Dame, uh, that win in Notre Dame, for Cincinnati earlier in the season when they, I mean, it wasn't a blow up, but they played them like there wasn't really a threat of losing for most of that game. If Notre Dame wins out and they are 11 and one and they, I mean, obviously they're not in the conference, but if they go on to be that uh, top 10 school, the rest of the way through that win for Cincinnati, while it's not going to be enough to put them into the playoff because they need help from, uh, I think Michigan State could help them a lot if they go ahead and beat Ohio State in a championship game or whatever it may be. If Oregon loses uh, a game, I think they're obviously out of it. Uh, and same thing with Bama. So they yeah. need bosses from the three of the top five schools. It's going to be a fun season, rest of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we good with the rankings? Yeah. Uh, I don't know where we're good with them, but yeah, I'm ready to move on. Okay. I, I picked out four big games from this week. I'll go over them quickly. Michigan state gets the win at home against Michigan. Obviously the rank number three. Now for whatever reason, Michigan was favored in this one on the road. So I jumped on that one on the, on the bets. You will talk about that later, yeah. but huge for Kenneth Walker, 197 yards and five touchdowns. Um, man, they beat Ohio state and they're in, it's going to be an exciting game. Um, the next one, Auburn and Ole Miss, not too big on the, the college football playoff top four scale, but this is big for, uh, you know, for some of the bigger bowl games, Auburn wins this one at home, 31 to 20 big game for Bo Nix. He had a touchdown passing one on the ground. Matt Corral played hurt, tough game, tough for the Heisman watch. Um, Auburn moving on up big game against Alabama coming up. Uh, another game I was talking about, Houston SMU. Houston has one of the best defenses in the nation, and uh, they decided to score 44 on SMU. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, another great game for uh, for SMU. But Houston's quarterback, I didn't even know his name. It's Clayton Toon. He had 412 yards and four touchdowns for Houston. The last game, it's Ohio State getting the win at home against Penn State. Another great game for C.J. Stroud, over 300 yards and a touchdown. Trey Henderson, 150 yards on the ground, looking good for Ohio State too. All right, yeah. so let's get into the uh, one thing. Or, sorry. One thing, real quick. I'm sorry, bro. Uh, I know I didn't. Say, I said I didn't want to talk about it more. Yeah. Uh, but since the Raiders might be in need for a speedster in the off season, 
with the possible addition of Devontae Adams looming, who what speedster should I look out for for the Raiders to draft? Jahan Dotson, Penn State. Ooh, I like him. I had him in a Madden franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Okay. Or like any of the other guys too. I like Olave. Yeah, I, like I mean, that's a, such a Raider pick too, because he's like maybe second, third round uh, uh, talent guy at 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 first because uh, you know he's got to work out some route running, but he's fast as hell. That's a Raiders first rounder for you. That's true. Also, <laughs> uh, Drake London. Uh, I think he yeah. fractured his ankle. Uh, he's supposed Tough. to be back. Uh, pre-draft workouts is the t- timeline for him right now. Someone's gonna uh, get USC a star receiver, by the way. Yeah, someone's going to get him in the second or third round and get a, a yeah. franchise guy. But all right, we got the uh, the Heisman watch. All right, I think uh, now we're down to the five. You know, I said this last week, but it changed again. So who knows if this is true or not? Number five, I got Caleb Williams, Oklahoma quarterback. This guy's playing out of his mind. I know he hasn't played as many games. He doesn't have the uh, counting stats, but he had 400 yards and six touchdowns last week against Texas Tech. Man, let's see his uh, overall stats. 14 touchdowns, one pick. Great season for Caleb Williams. It's fun. Number four. Really good. I got Sorry. Ole Miss. Oh, you're good. You're good, though. <laughs> you're so good. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback. Um, like I said, Tough week against Auburn, only 289 passing yards, and he threw a pick, um, and they didn't get the win, so he falls here. Uh, number three, it's Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. He's doing everything he needs to do, had a bye week, but he's quarterback for Bama, man, number two in the nation. He's on the list. Number two is C.J. Stroud. Just talked about him. If Ohio State ends up in the top four here, like I think they will, he's got a real shot. And number one, Moving up from five last week, it's Kenneth Walker. Five touchdowns against Michigan. This guy is nuts. He's number two in the nation in rushing yards, number one in touchdowns. Uh, he's playing so good. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, man. Like yeah. this, he's number one for a reason. Yeah, Kenneth Walker is definitely the number one guy for me mm-hmm. right now. I mean, five touchdowns in a game like that, it definitely does not go unnoticed, Yeah, say the least. All right. All I right. think that's the end of uh, halftime. Yeah. Uh, let's take it to the second half now where we have a very fun segment of our show that we like doing every week. We have the top five MVP, top three defensive player of the year, and top three rookie of the year. Let's do rookie of the year first. Starting off the, at the bottom, do you guys have any honorable mentions? No, but I have a tie at third, so I'll, I'll say um, honorable mention, I got Rashawn Slater. Talked about him last week. Just kind of want to mention him again. He's been amazing at tackle for the Chargers. And Elijah Mitchell, running back for the Niners. He's missed a couple games. but And he has, he's not super involved in the passing games. But as a runner, he has been borderline elite so far this year for San Francisco when used. Honorable mention, I put Kyle Pitts. He's had a, he had a slow week. But, I mean, the prior two weeks before that, he, it was going off. So. He is in that honorable mention spot for me. Now on to number three. All right. Number three, I got a tie with Aziz Ojolari and Najee Harris. Um, Ojolari, five and a half sacks this year. It's leading rookies. Not much against Kansas City, but still a great year. And then Najee, you know, helping Ben with pretty much everything on offense this year. He gets the nod. No more honorable mention. For me, I got Micah Parsons at number three coming off a primetime game with 11 tackles. Four of them were for a loss. Don't believe he had any sacks, but 
He was in the backfield consistently playing a little bit more middle linebacker than he has in previous weeks besides uh, not on the edge, but he had a very solid week for the Cowboys. Uh, my list is going to remain very simple to what I had last week. I have Aziz Ojolari again mm-hmm. at number three, five and a half sacks, uh, strong, young defensive lineman for the Giants on the number two. All right. Number two, I have Jamar Chase having a great year. Um, leading all rookies and touchdowns. Damn, I think you actually <laughs> made a change. You did. I it? got I got Najee at two. I, I I think we've talked about Najee enough to know what he does. Lethal in both running and passing games. We've ninety-one yards rushing this week. No reason to move him down from where I had him before. Skyler, you kind of shocked me with that pick. I think I know who number one is going to be now, uh, mm-hmm. but I. Uh, yeah, if it, if, it, if it is who I'm thinking it is, I'm going to be mad at you, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, number two for me is Najee. Uh, it stays in the same spot. I mean, he's been very good for uh, the Steelers. I wish I could have seen a little bit higher yards per carry than 3.7, uh, but nonetheless, he's also been really good in the passing game. So he right. is that number two for me. And who is Skeller's the current rookie to make this. of the year together? <laughs> All right. Uh, my number one rookie is Michael Carter II, having a great year at nickel corner. No, it's Mac Jones. Okay, I have the Patriots yes. making the playoffs. It's close. I know Jamar Chase is having a legendary rookie season, but the rookie quarterback who makes the playoff gets the nod for me at number one. I don't think if it, it, if it happens. If it happens. If any rookie you know, quarterback makes the playoffs, if you're on pace for like 800 receiving yards and however many touchdowns chases – on pace for it's going to be the best rookie receiver year ever, and it will it will, it will blow Jefferson's oh. pretty much out of the water. If uh, and Chase that's, didn't that's get locked up by so. Brandon Eccles, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. I'm pretty sure didn't Chase he a touchdown. He caught a touchdown, and I know he dropped one too, which I mean doesn't look good. But he is getting open every week. He and Burrow have immaculate chemistry. There's I like that. There's no way you can put. No, chase anywhere but one, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I would maybe put Mac Jones number one if he had 19 passing touchdowns instead of nine. Uh, so yeah, he's not even close to my list. And number one for me is Jamar. Uh, I think it's very simple, unless you're Skyler. Uh, on to defensive player of the year. Any honorable mentions? Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. Um, I got a few, I guess. Max Crosby coming off a bye week, but he's been good all year. Nick Bosa, Ramsey, and Donald, I think all honorable mentions just outside the list, but one good week could see them move up. Uh, honorable mentions for me, I kept Max in there because it's a bye week. He didn't really have to do much, obviously. Uh, and then an honorable mention, I like to throw in a, a not a random guy, but a, an underrated guy that's been having a good season. Uh, and that guy is going to be Harold Landry uh, of the Titans. He has eight and a half sacks to this point in the season and a forced fumble. Uh, I know he's not getting that quadruple coverage that we see from other guys like Aaron Donald because if yeah. Donald was getting the same coverage as Harold Landry was, he'd have probably about 16 sacks right now. Uh, but Harold Landry gets that honorable mention spot for me. Last week it was Marcus Golden, and now it's Landry. All right. On to number three. Hate that I have to do this because I hate this team, and I keep doing it anyways, but it's going to match you, Don. Uh, he's been a monster on the edge. He's 
been worth every single penny they gave him when we thought it was an overpay. And uh, he's winning games for New England. Number three, I'm going TJ Watt. Had a pretty typical TJ Watt week. I believe Sky read me the stats earlier, like a sack. Uh, two tackles for a loss, just doing what he does. Like the other guys in the rookie of the year, there's really no reason to bump him down from what I had him before, so he stays at three. Yeah, I bumped uh, TJ Watt up one spot from Arnold. We'll mention two number three, uh, eight and a half sacks, same as Landry, except for TJ Watt has three pass defenses at this point and mm. two or three forced fumbles. And he missed a game, at least yeah. one. Now to number two. Number two, Trevon Diggs. Seven picks, you know, same touchdowns as his brother. All the same. Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, yeah. on one, one this week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, okay. That's why I dropped him down to two. Then he doesn't have the same. All right. I also have Diggs at number two. Did not record a pick this week. So, you know, the other guy passed him, Three but ends. still with seven picks through eight games or whatever, seven through seven, because he had two that one week. Still incredible and if he can you know get a couple more he's he's going to keep him, his name in this race all year yeah two for me is the same as last week it's miles garrett ten and a half sacks uh is enough to, to put him there for me uh i when i look at it i look the trayvon Diggs garrett co- comparison as if they were to keep it up for the rest of the year what would be more impressive yeah. miles garrett 21 sacks or Trayvon Diggs, 14 interceptions. It'd be, it'd when, I see, yeah. when I see 14 interceptions, I definitely go up Diggs. I do mm-hmm. think that pace will slow down uh, to where maybe 10 uh, is, is likely for him. But as of right now, I, I got to stick with Garrett at two. All right. Uh, number one, I'm sticking with the consistency. Miles Garrett, uh, another sack. This week against Pittsburgh, another couple tackles for loss, quarterback hits. Um, he's been doing it week in, week out, so there's no need to drop him. Miles Garrett stays at number one for me. I think contrary to Kyle's point, I think Garrett's more likely to keep up his pace than mm-hmm. Diggs is. And he had a cool Halloween costume. I don't know if you guys saw that, the sack not. reaper. He, had a, he was dressed up basically as the Grim Reaper with a cape with every quarterback's name he's ever sacked on it, which I thought was pretty solid. And was Trevor Simeon on the, there? Has he ever Probably. sacked Trevor Simeon? Does it have an X for breaking his leg? I mean, I'm sure he's on there. But, you know, okay. I, I saw Jimmy on there, so I'm sure yeah, Simeon was on, on there as well. Uh, but Miles Garrett also wore that costume at, in the press conference after the game when they lost. I thought that was kind of funny. I guess he didn't really prepare. Second chance he didn't, he didn't have a backup in case. Yeah, it's either the jersey or that. Uh, but number one for me, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, as Brett said, it, it is way more likely that, that Diggs slows down his pace rather than Miles Garrett. Uh, but I'm going off of what we know so far, and that's the stats that we have in seven interceptions. Uh, is is fucking crazy. So, Trayvon Diggs, seven interceptions in seven games. Now on to MVP, the main award, the main events. Do you guys have any honorable mentions before we I'll get throw in Lamar Jackson? Um, I'm gonna throw in Dak. He'd probably be on this list if he played last week, but he unfortunately did not due to injury. So he's just outside of the top five. My honorable mentions, I had two of them. I put Josh Allen as well as Lamar Jackson. 
Now on to that number five spot. Number five, I got Aaron Rodgers. No receivers, no problem. He's doing great. Doing great. Number five. Number five, I have Lamar Jackson. Continues to be the majority of his team's offense. If you're talking about most valuable for a team, I think most valuable is probably him. He does pretty much everything for the team, passing and running. Yeah. I went with Kyler Murray at number five, a big drop down in my rankings from last week. I had Murray as my number one guy last week. And with that poor performance against the the Packers team, I I mean, one of those picks really wasn't his fault, but that's a game you got to win. And regardless if the defense isn't playing well, or whatever it may be, if you are an MVP candidate, you have to be able to win those games for your team. And he did it. So number five is Kyler Murray on a number four. All right, number four, I got Josh Allen. He's doing it all, throwing the ball, running with the ball. Buffalo's looking great. I know they had uh, that tough loss against Tennessee, but they're going to be just fine. Number four, I got Kyler Murray. Kyle kind of said everything that needed to be said. Falls a little bit just due to a loss to an undermanned Green Bay team. I picked Green Bay in that game, but still undermanned a game the Cardinals probably should win. I actually don't think either pick was his fault, if I recall correctly. The last one definitely wasn't with A.J. Green. But Kyler's done enough on a one-win team to still remain very solidified on this list at number four. Number four for me is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and that is for all the exact opposite reasons of why Kyler Murray dropped down in his spot. Because mm-hmm. in a game where they didn't have anybody and they needed to win, he got the job done. Uh, and so Aaron Rodgers – sorry, that, that pauses because Danzy Swanson hit a ball on the left and I thought it was gone. But – Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's been great the last few weeks. I know he had that very slow start, but I think that was kind of just a fuck you to the Packers organization and say, hey, if you don't want me to play good and you treat me like shit, this is what I can do to y'all. But since then, seven straight wins or six, depending. No, I don't know. I I believe seven. Seven straight. Seven straight. Uh, So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers at number four for me. Mm -hmm. On to number three. Number three, going with Tom Brady, uh, rough game. I've never seen him throw a pick six in a two-minute drill before. Uh, my friend Josh tells me that he did it against the Giants multiple times, but I still don't even know if that's true. Uh, but, yeah, he drops down a spot here, but I still like his chances, you know. Mm-hmm. I believe – I have Brady at number three as well. I believe he still leads the league in passing yards. I don't think that's changed. Uh, Bucks only have two losses. He's orchestrating one of the best offenses of the past couple of years. The loss drops him down a little bit, but his stats keep him, you know, alive at number three. Number three for me, I went with Carr. I think if he, I they had a bye week this week, so there's not much to talk mm. about this week, obviously. But if he is able to lead this team to the playoffs with all the distraction that distractions that have happened, even. I, I mean, the defense has been well, and even if the defense stays well, I, I think you, it's very tough to not put Carr in this situation because, I mean, they lost their head coach. Their top wide receiver killed somebody, and now we're only halfway through the season, and they've only played seven games, and they've had all these big things happen to them, and they're still at the top of the AFC West. So I think Carr's going to be – Got to be at the top one of the players at the top of this list. I think Carr, he's not on my list or I don't want to mention, but he has the most room to grow into this list given everything around him and what's going to be on his shoulders 
throughout the rest of the year. I'd so, say him and Josh Allen do. Yeah, yeah I, I think especially if they win that division, which I think is very possible, I think Carr will definitely be in talks for MVP award. Yeah, if the Raiders win the division and go on to do something well in the postseason, the East 60 of this team is going to be something crazy. Huh. All right, now on to number two. All right, my number two is going to be Kyler Murray. I don't drop him down as far as the other guys um, because I don't think that game was his fault, man. I mean, Hopkins was out for a good amount of time, too. They should have won that game. He leaves the team. It should have been the drive. What was it 98 yards that it would have been if they got that touchdown? Um, AJ Green, man, he's a bum. <laughs> uh, even if AJ Green turned around, there's no guarantee he catches the ball. I think Aaron Jones was actually in on the drive before, or at least there wasn't conclusive enough evidence to overturn that. So I think that game actually should have been over before that drive was even attempted. But that's besides the point. My number two is Josh Allen. Didn't play great in the first half versus Miami. Very solid against in the second half. They've had a rushing touchdown and at least one passing touchdown to Stephon Diggs. He's another guy who, like Lamar Jackson, kind of does does it all for that offense. Runs it, passes it, you know, lethal downfield, and he'll stick his nose in when when it matters. Third downs, all that junk. So Josh Allen at number two for me. But barely ahead of Kyler. I Kyler, Kyler's very close. And Brady mm-hmm. to that two spot because I believe I had Brady at three. Number two for me, I put Matthew Stafford, a guy that nobody has mentioned so far. I don't know if that's because people have him at their number one or they just didn't put him on their list. Uh, but Stafford has been great so far this year. Uh, I know he has one of the best supporting casts uh, in the league, but we also have Tom Brady up in this list. So, I mean, I think it's very fair that we put Stafford here as well. Uh, he's been Amazing. He has the third best uh, quarterback rating in the NFL right now behind Russell Wilson and I, Tyrod Taylor, but that's kind of like a weird spot. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you could say second or maybe even first based off of how many games Russell Wilson's played. Uh, 22 touchdowns is second in the league. Passing yards, I believe, is also second in the league. So Stafford, while they've had some Mickey Mouse games the last few weeks against the Lions and the Texans, is my number two spot. All right. Now on uh, quick, number one quick question: When's Tyrod back? Is he back this week? This week? Should be back this okay. week or next week. Hey, this is good. Uh, Mills team, man. Should maybe. And that's uh, good. well. He actually did play well last week in garbage time, but I'd expect Tyrod to start. I'd assume. Yeah, Ty- Tyrod should start for them. Uh, and then who is your MVP, guys? All right, I got co MVPs for the first time since McNair and Manning, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. Most dynamic duo in the NFL right now. I feel like uh, this leans towards, in my opinion, Cup. Um, but I'm going to give him co-MVPs here. I I debated putting Cup on this list somewhere. I ended up leaving him off just because when was the last time a receiver won the MVP? I know AP Rice. won <laughs> Rice. It's, it's It's been years. So I just don't see, no matter how good Cup is, him winning this. So for that reason, I'm going to give it to his quarterback. The guy facilitates the ball to him. Yeah. Kyle already went over Stafford's stats, but I mean, not only cup, but Robert Woods not having quite as good of a year as he has years past, but still very good. Stafford's done everything he's needed to, to win games and put that team in position to win games. I don't, 
I don't really know what else to say about Stafford. He's done everything well this year, and he's done it at an elite rate to everybody. So he's my MVP. Yeah, I was thinking about putting Cup on this list as well. And then I thought of Michael Thomas uh, when he had broke the receptions record and had, what, 1,600, 1,700 yards that season. And I don't remember him even being No, but he, he was oh boy guy, which I, yeah. I think is going to happen with Cup. He's just going to be flat out oh boy, no questions yeah. asked. It, but. I mean, if he continues at this pace, yeah. even if he slows down a little, I don't think there's much of a debate at all. Who Opoi yeah. should be. Yeah, Opoi is very fair. Uh, but once again, this is MVP. So we, uh, he's not in the conversation because it's a quarterback award. Uh, mm-hmm. So we saw Derrick Henry throwing touchdowns two weeks ago. Uh, but number one for me, even in the somewhat rough week, is Tom Brady. Uh, 25 touchdowns and leading the league in passing yards uh, with the best supporting cast in the NFL at 44 years old. Uh, is still crazy to me. Uh, and so I know a rough loss this week, but seeing the other guys that I had up there last week with Kyler and Derrick Henry, Henry obviously yeah. didn't play bad, but he got hurt. Uh, and then Joe Burrow was one of my honorable mentions last week. And with how he played this week, I don't think it's fair for me to put him even near number one. Uh, so Tom Brady is my NFL MVP as of right now. All right. All right. Now, uh, basketball, uh, we're just about two weeks into the season. Uh, we're not going to talk about it too much because I don't think that's a lot of our focus right now. As far as uh, sports goes, we're more Mm. focused on this world series ending, uh, and then the football as well. Maybe once the world series ends, I'll get more into it, but the team that surprised you the most, uh, we're going to have the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, so the good team. Good. I'm going with the Chicago Bulls. I'm happy about this one because I picked them to make the playoffs and they're six and one right now, just exceeding everything I thought was going to happen. You know, uh, Vucevic and Levine, obviously great additions, but DeMar DeRozan, he's scoring at will for Chicago, 26 points per game, I believe. Great for him. DeRozan when healthy last year was extremely underrated in my opinion for the Spurs. I had him on my fantasy team for a while. No way. Oh shit. Oh, oh, oh. Solaire out of the stadium. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. That's it's my okay. MVP. I, I'm a little bit behind, so I'm about to watch this. So he fucking killed that. <laughs> out of the stadium. Atlanta takes a three run lead in game six. That was a that new... was my pick, Skyler. I know. He's hit two home runs out of his three in this World Series while we've been doing the show. You uh, can't make that stuff up. He had really good swings on the two pitches before that he pulled foul on the ground. He he had Garcia timed up. That was a he, bomb. He fucking killed that ball. Looking good for Atlanta. Looking good for Kyle. Next yeah, letter, yeah, we, said, we, we saw a grand slam last game that they blew. So, Max Reed, you got to stay sharp. I like, oh, this This game's not even close to over. Man. Dude, he literally hit it out. Out of the ballpark, man. Oh going that, that ball's going to show up like 430 on StatCast, and it's going to piss me off because it's way further. Yeah, dude. Dude, if he wins MV, World Series MVP, I'm... That's one of my best Odin. calls ever. Yeah. Uh, and I think I also had Atlanta in six, if I'm not mistaken. That was mistaken clean too. out of the state. Oh, speak, I think I was talking to Skylar about this. You, you know Trevor Plouffe? 
Yeah. yeah, he oh, uh, has, he can win twenty five point six million dollars. Yeah, twenty five point six million. If he was allowed to bet on a one dollar bet, he called it, I believe, in March that yeah. the Braves would defeat the Astros in six, which is impressive considering I believe Atlanta was probably struggling at that point. Not sure that March? before the season. March. That's, that's probably the season. I'm guessing the, season, the, the so John Boy guys still. didn't do it for him because because it's still a uh, if he could have done it, he would have won. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Back to uh, basketball. Anyway, where, where was I? Basketball. Yeah. Uh, DeRozan's been great. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, my other surprise team has been the Miami Heat. I thought the Heat would be good going into this year. I believe currently boast a 5-1 and one record. The best defensive team in the NBA so far, the addition of P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, obviously, Bam Adebayo, Depoy type of guys. Make that team really solid on the back end. And Tyler Hero's been an offensive spark that they've needed because besides him and the occasional game from Jimmy and Bam, the offense has struggled, but the defense has carried that team, and they're looking really sharp early in the season. Surprise team for me so far is going to be the Charlotte Hornets. I know the record only indicates that they're five and three, just a couple games over five hundred, but they have been scoring the most points in the NBA per game so far at one hundred and seventeen and a half. And the leading scorer on their team is not Gordon Hayward. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be Gordon Hayward. Uh, it's not Lamelo Ball. It's the breakout of Miles Bridges that everybody's talking about right now. And he's been going off averaging 23, eight and three and a half a game right now for the Hornets. Uh, I don't see this team as a legitimate contender in the East, uh, but if they are to be a four or a five seed, that is going to be extremely shocking to me, uh, especially with how good Bridges has been. Now on to the bad side of it. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks here for my bad team. They're three and four and everyone except for Giannis is, is just a little disappointing this year. Middleton's been hurt to be fair. He has, uh, but he's also shooting 40%, which I don't like holiday has been good, but he's just getting back into it too. Um, you know, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, guys who are supposed to be big role players on a championship team have just not been helping whatsoever this year. So I'm going with Milwaukee. There is a lot of teams that you can list as a disappointment this year. So I'm going to just name a couple. I'm sure Kyle will have one of these, but the Celtics at two and five, the Bucks at three and four, um, the Pacers at two and six, but disappointing Thought they'd be better. And the Nets only at four and three, obviously no Kyrie. And then the Clippers at two and four and the Suns at two and three, both teams that were in the finals last year, under 500 to start the year. If I had to pick a most disappointing, it would also be the Bucks. I mean, coming off a championship win, under 500, seven games through. Haven't looked great defensively or offensively besides Giannis, who was obviously back, back-to-back MVP or two-time MVP last three years. Doesn't matter. They need to figure it out around him to get back in a spot where they're ready to contend again. My most disappointing team has got to be the Celtics so far. Uh, they are two and five, and the wins that they have uh, one against the Hornets, so it's kind of ironic that my worst team and my best team kind of flip-flop yep. there. Uh, but they also have a win against the Rockets, and they have some bad losses. They lost back-to-back games against the Wizards, uh, and they lost to the Raptors by, like, 35 points. Uh, so when you're losing that bad uh, and you have these two, I want to say generational talents, but in, in Boston they might be calling them generational talents, uh, with All-star Jason Tatum and, 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 yeah. and Jalen Brown, uh, it's 
it's not it's not good uh with, with two and five obviously i think they need some some trishary or whatever you want to call it the third pieces <laughs> yeah. basically yeah. on the team uh they don't have that right now and so they've been pretty disappointing to me i thought they would be a bit better than this and uh, obviously those two are enough to carry them yeah. to to where they want to go i mean Mark a little bit, atlantic yeah a little bit off that point i mean they were up i believe 30 almost 25 going into the fourth quarter yesterday against the bulls and the bulls came back to win that game for probably the most impressive win by any team this season and marcus smart called out tatum and brown after the game saying pretty much they don't pass so i mean there might be a little more than just you know losing games in boston right now there might be some clubhouse stuff going on getting Kyrie back (laughs) yeah Kyrie's a good clubhouse guy uh, Solaire's home run traveled 446, according to the stats. I just, I don't believe that. 446, I think, is fair. I think uh, the balls out in minute made to left, they look a lot farther because of how close that wall is there. But also, it looks like it's about 550 feet because of how Solaire swings. Yeah. Too. He is very, very, very violent hitter when it comes down to it. Uh, and I also kind of just the, the look after was kind of crazy. But it's not only just Soleil. Like, I've I seen some home runs. They they list them at, like, 405, and I think there's no way those things aren't going 430. I, I'm mm. sure they're accurate, but to the eye, it just seems like they're going so much farther than what they have. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk about the one baseball headline we have, and it's not World Series related because we made all of our picks for that Uh Last week, hopefully, the World Series ends tonight. I think we all want Atlanta to win. Uh, if you don't want Atlanta to win, you're kind of crazy. Unless you're from you Houston. bet some money on them or from Houston. The other biggest headline, though, was Bob Melvin, longtime A's manager, uh, not stepping – wasn't stepping down from the A's role, uh, but just going ahead and signing with the Padres uh, as their manager, a three-year, $12 million deal uh, with the club and Bob Melvin – and I mean, we, we've seen Bo Mel firsthand. We, we know how good he is as a manager. We know mm. his blemishes uh, as he has a couple as a manager. I'll, I'll point out a couple. And, yeah. and once it gets to me, I know that at least. And then the, our question is how, how big of an impact does Bo Mel and this great manager bring to the Padres, the team that really underachieved last year? You know, I think one of his strong suits as a manager is player development. And I think being able to do that with this kind of budget, obviously he's not choosing the players, but he makes the lineup every night, you know, Mm -hmm. as a manager. Uh, I think this is going to be huge for the Padres. Um, You want us to give our A's takes now, or we do that? Like the A's side of it? I don't care. Okay. Um, Yeah, this this one fucking hurts. Uh, And the rebuild's going to start. Um. I know Kyle wants uh, that young guy with uh, a statistics background. You know, when Gabe Kapler was first starting, um, he was throwing out Tyler Rogers. He was getting rocked every night, you know, with an ADRA. And, you know, this year. This is 2020, by the way, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. And then he he came around to be good. You know, and at first I thought maybe a Ron Washington type guy um, to start the rebuild. But you might as well keep a guy like that as long as you can in the system, right? If you could find him to hire him mm-hmm. for a new manager. 
So as far as the Padres side of it goes, I think this is a great move for the Padres, not so much for the player development, which I do agree Melvin's very good at. Mm -hmm. But to me, a lot of the Padres problems seem to be a little bit more internal clubhouse related. I I don't, I mean, there was the whole Tatis Machado yelling argument. I really don't think that was that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Tatis going um, to right field. (laughs) Yeah. What what was his name? Tingler? Whatever the manager. Yeah. I don't think he was very well liked. At least that's what I perceived by players. He didn't have his players' backs. Bob Melvin is going to be a guy that comes in and immediately fixes anything clubhouse related. Mm -hmm. That's what Melvin's best at, in my opinion, is building a strong clubhouse. Guys want to play for him. They want to play for each other. And I think that could go a long ways in the Padres case because they already have the talent and they're only going to add more this offseason. I, I, we said it last year. We expected the Padres to compete. I believe they'll be back ready to compete next year and be better than they were this year. And as far as the A's, yes, it hurts. But I'm also kind of happy because I'd like to go see Melvin win. And he's not going to win with the A's. That's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, this symbolizes the start of a rebuild. I'm assuming he was given the option. He was told, we're starting a rebuild. You can stay or you can go interview. He decided to leave. He wants to win. Don't blame him. So I, I actually like the Ron Washington approach here because you're going to have a lot of young guys, probably not a very talented roster the next two years. And a guy who's able to keep a clubhouse together like Ron Washington can. We know he can. He's kind of similar to Melvin in that case, I think would be good whether or not he stays around for a rebuild or we, you know, go a different way when it's time, when we're ready, that I think can be up for debate, but I'd like to see a guy like Ron Washington come in right now and just hold the clubhouse together. So the first side of it is the Padres. I think uh, getting Jace, getting rid of Jace Tangler was by far one of the best decisions the Padres have made within the last 10 years. Uh, I didn't like him, his situation in San Diego back to when he publicly blasted his star player for swinging at a 3-0 pitch uh, when Tatis hit the home run, the 3-0, mm-hmm. uh, last year against the Rangers. I didn't like that he did that that way. Uh, and I thought that this move was kind of inevitable. I didn't think the Padres would be this bad and finish under 500 this year. Uh, but so that move kind of prompted itself earlier than I thought it would be. And so now he's gone. They get Bob Melvin who is one of the best managers in the game, especially at being able to turn the team into like a family. And that's, that's one of the main things, one of the main attractions of the A's the last few years. Obviously it wasn't their ballpark. Obviously it wasn't the money that you were getting. It wasn't going to be the 50 million, not 50 million, 50,000 fans come to the game every single night. Cause we got about 5,000 fans that come to the game every single night. Uh, but it was just that team, that family feeling that he brought, uh, the ability to keep a great, fun clubhouse with good team leaders inside of it uh, that have a lot of responsibility was something that Bowmel did really, really well. The one main thing I kind of didn't like about Bob Melvin mainly last year was his reluctancy to change the lineup. I thought there was a lot of times when we could have used Olsen at like a two spot, even though I thought Olsen was honestly probably the best player that he used in, in the lineup as far as keeping him in the three spot. But moving Marte up or down or moving Chapman up or down or Lowry up and down or whoever Canna. it may be, Canna, the, the very it took him three, four months to move Canada down in the lineup when he was hitting 220. I know his on-base percentage was like 360, 370, but it just didn't make sense for me at the time uh, that we had Canada that high in the lineup. Uh, but nonetheless, 
He's got a great roster in San Diego. He even said himself that he's happy that now he has the people in place that will help him create a roster that he actually wants. Uh, I don't think that was a shot to the actual A's players. That was more of a shot to uh, and the true. owner and, and, and Dave Forrest and all those guys uh, with the A's uh, and just not fucking giving them anything to work with. But now it goes to the A's side, and I am uh, in big want of an analytical guy as well as a maybe not as big analytical guy, but a guy that players can relate to as the bench coach or a, a secondary coach that can kind of not look, not be looked at as a clubhouse leader, but as a guy that all the players can go to and, and learn stuff from. And so the manager that I want, uh, Skyler's actually going to really, really like this. I want Andrew Bailey as our, as our manager. I think that would be Andrew Bailey. That would be the ideal guy because he did an amazing job with the, the, the Giants uh, the last few years. Here's a guy who knows when to use the bullpen, too. Exactly. He, he's good with that as well. Uh, he, he's also going to give that aspect of, hey, he was a big league player, too. It's not in Oakland. Uh, like, yeah, in, in Oakland, too. He understands uh, being a young player in the MLB in Oakland, which a lot of these guys that he's going to have, are going to be young players in Oakland because we don't have old guys on our team. We don't have the money to sign people like that. And I think this, this sprouts a, the beginning of not a Orioles, Tigers, Astros type rebuild, but more of a retooling, uh, maybe not trading away your guys to get super, super young prospects that are three, four years away, but guys that are two, maybe three years max away. Uh, I think you trade away Olsen. I think he goes to the Padres. I think that'd be great for the Padres. Oh. I'd love to see that. Uh, I've heard as, the Yankees. As a Padres fan for the next few years. Uh, go Pods. Uh, I see Chapman going to the Mets. I still think that makes a lot of sense for them. I think we give up Bassett. I think we give up Montas. I think you possibly explore into moving Loriano. I don't think that's the best idea. I think you keep Murphy. I think Loriano uh, and Murphy probably stay. Yeah, you probably trade. Wait to trade Manaya until midseason. Uh, that way, we actually have some starters that we can relatively use, and we're not just a hundred loss team. You right know, off the I bat. think a lot of our farm system gets overlooked too. I think there's some solid guys, and uh, that part of it, I'm excited to see. Yeah, I, I, I do to see think a guy that, like Grant Holmes. He's been mm-hmm. down there forever. Just at least give him a shot. I mean, especially at this point when there's really nothing to lose. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see Dalton Jeffries more i think we're gonna see caprillion more obviously because he was good last year mm-hmm. uh but the guys that you trade away uh he gotta be able to get a return and that, and that's what makes this a's rebuild and being able to compete in two to three years which the a's have been so so very good at within the last few years as far as like the last few rebuilds i guess in the sense of being able to return to solid production in a very short amount of time so go trade for good prospects go get us three four top 100 guys because you can you you can get two very legitimate prospects with Olsen. You can get one very legitimate one with Chapman. You can get a stud with either Montas or Bassett, or if you combine them to in a package, if you get two all-star caliber pitchers and Montas and Bassett to a team, you can definitely get back a couple hundred top hundred guys. You know, so that'd be the goal for the A's. We we haven't had a huge blow up like this in about twelve years, but the 
middle ground flipping guys, flipping B prospects for younger C prospects, those were the Manias and Bassets of the world, you know. And I believe, I believe Manaya was Ben Zobrist. I yeah. Mm-hmm. And to get even a bigger return than that for these guys, a guy like Bassett, you know, like he's older, you know, he, he's not he's so 20, good. he's not a 24 year old. So I wouldn't be upset moving. It would suck. Cause I love him as a player, but uh, everyone loves him. And then, you know, getting, mm-hmm. uh, getting that B prospect in return instead of a C or D that is floated in our farm system would help so much. Yeah. And I think uh, also getting, a a player that you can develop into a team leader and also like a vocal leader uh mm-hmm. as far as young guys goes it's a big big thing to do whether that is i would say necessarily young but if you want to retain canna if you want to give canna three years 30 million which i think is reasonable for him i think you pull the trigger because you need a veteran guy that all these young guys within the next few years can come up in, to and has been there for a while because there's every single team you look at, there's guys like that uh, with Tigers and Miguel Cabrera, uh, for example. Uh, I mean, in, in Baltimore, they have guys like Trey Mancini and they had, I mean, Chris Davis, even though like, he was shitty, he was there mm-hmm. and he was a guy that people could talk to. I think the problem uh, is someone like uh, the Yankees for, I know it, cause the Yankees are in play for all these would give them three years, 50 million. So we wouldn't be able to compete with that, you know? Yeah, but I do feel like we'd be able to get some sort of a hometown discount for uh-huh. Canada just because he grew up in Oakland, or not Oakland, but in the Bay Area. Yeah. Went to, right. went to Cal. Yeah. We kind of geared this more into the A's talk than the Padres talk. That kinda hey, how to, hash, be, how to fix the A's. That's oh, the that, one that's more A's thing before yeah. I move on. I, I The guy who I think might be the favorite right now, we didn't even mention for the job, is Mark, Mark Kotze. Yeah, I don't want. Um, yeah. Not sure. How, I like Kotze as a player. Not sure how I'd feel about him as a head coach, but I, I definitely think the A's will do a deep dive. Barry Bonds as the other guy. I think I'd like if he retires, this could be like a David Ross situation. Stephen Vote. I think Stephen Vote would be a great head coach. Bench coach first, though. Yeah, backup catchers are definitely yeah. a a solid option. Mm-hmm. He'd be a He's great clubhouse guy if you want a clubhouse guy. Yeah, true. Uh, as far as coach, though, who knows? Yeah. All right. Now let's get to our bets and let's get on out of here. Yeah. Going back to last week, uh, I got mine right. Skyler got his wrong for the layups. I had I'm Buffalo minus 13 and a half versus Miami. They ended up winning by 15. I didn't think that was going to cover to start the game. Uh, and then it ended up did. Uh, Skeller had Sensi minus nine and a half versus the Jets. Jets won outright. So obviously I took the Brett technique, happen. a little bit of wishful thinking here, and it worked. Yeah. Uh, my pick this week, I, sure, you can call it wishful thinking. I hope this doesn't happen, but I think it's going to be really, really tough for the Raiders to play well this mm-hmm. weekend in, in New York against the Giants. So I have the Giants plus three. Uh, just, I mean, we've seen them over, overcome distractions before, but what John Gruden did is. I mean, sure, you can think it's bad, but it's not nearly as bad as what Henry Ruggs did. Uh, and a guy that they looked at as a peer and not just a coach, I think it makes it even harder to kind of look at sometimes. Uh, so I have the Giants Giants plus three versus Raiders. All right. I'm going to take the Raiders minus three against <laughs> the Giants. I know this is crazy, um, but the Giants have had as many distractions. Not the same, I won't say, as crazy or as impactful, 
but the Giants entire team is hurt. They've had distractions too. Jason Garrett doesn't know how to call a game. I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm going to go Green Bay uh, minus 1.5 at KC. KC has not looked good over the past couple of weeks. Green Bay just came off a very impressive win, very undermanned versus Arizona. They'll get all those pieces back from the COVID list. I think the Chiefs will put up a fight in this one, but I think Green Bay wins by at least a touchdown. Now on to our bold predictions where things flip-flopped. Uh, also keep in mind that Brett wasn't here last week, so that's why his mm-hmm. picks aren't on here. Uh, I had the Washington football team beating Denver in Denver. That did not happen in a seven-point game. That was pretty close. And then Skyler had Michigan State over Michigan. Uh, I was telling him last night I had no clue how this was actually a yeah. bold prediction. Uh, but then looking into it, somehow Michigan was favored uh, in East Lansing uh, in a game where the teams were very evenly matched. Uh, now on to this week, though. Mickey Mouse bold prediction. <laughs> I have Houston over Miami. Uh, somehow Miami's a six and a half point favor. I think this is a good, easy win for Tyrod Taylor if he plays. All right. Uh, I'm going to run it back with a similar bold prediction. I'm taking Wake Forest, Wake Forest, number nine in the nation, to win at North Carolina. A uh, little bit tougher than the Michigan Michigan State one, but uh, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman is having a crazy year. He's ninth in passing yards, 22 touchdowns to three picks, and I think it's going to be a rough game for Sam Howell. Demon Deacons. Wishful thinking, as Skylar said, kind of my thing. I'm going with San Francisco of Arizona. This isn't purely based off what I want to happen. Kyler Murray's been banged up the past couple of weeks. Very questionable going into this game. A sprained ankle is supposed to be one to three weeks. This would be just over one week if he does play. So I expect him to not have great mobility. Niners getting a lot of key pieces back this week, including at least one linebacker, either Al Shahir and Greenlaw or just Shahir. Edge rush coming back with D Ford and Alojuari. And of course, George Kittle back, which is the biggest difference maker of them all. I think SF has the ability to upset Arizona this week, especially with Kyler Hurt. Yeah, I picked him last week with Kyler Murray perfectly fine. Or not the last time they played. Although uh, we are at home and we tend to suck at home. So just to let you guys know, uh, that spread for that is even right now. So it is a toss up. Uh, but yeah, uh, I still the think SF game prediction. Yeah. Oh, uh, when I looked earlier, it was one and a half. So I, I'm fine with it. I think it's cool. I think it's still a tough game. I don't even, especially yeah. if Kyler plays. Uh, all right, though. That's going to end episode 60. Uh, Skyler, you got any ending message? Uh, I really like the, uh, the fixing the A's. You know, I think maybe we should do a YouTube video of just us talking for an hour about how to fix the A's and go a little more in depth specifically. I'm 100% down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Alex will show up for that one. Fixing the bears. Maybe we will show up for that one, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's been a fun episode. Our socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at a Max Sports. Put those notifications on. We upload uh, Instagram posts whenever we make a new episode, and that comes out, uh, so you'll be notified quickly on there. And we're tweeting 50 times a week, so mm. make sure you turn on notifications for those ones. Hey, we got Kyle's some got good some tweet. TikToks, too. Uh, yes, those will be up more and more as the year goes on. Fantasy and advice. Look out for some uh, YouTube videos. Our, our YouTube and TikTok are at a Max Sports. Mm. It's been episode 60 of the Go In The Distance podcast.
See you guys next week. Go Jets. This is.